This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. A reading from the seventh chapter of Revelation. After this, I looked... And there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all of the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and prayer and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these? robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to the springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Holy wisdom, holy word. Grace and peace be yours. Through Jesus, the good shepherd, the lamb that sits on the throne. Second reading today is in fact a revelation, a vision of of heaven. Heaven. Here's the good news of what we believe about heaven. I brought myself to tears last week talking about it. Uh, To be candid, I thought that would happen a little bit at 8 o'clock, and I kind of got myself through it at at 9. I kind of lost it a little bit here at 11.15 last week. Um, Must have touched a nerve because you have been talking to me about that as well. We believe uh, that on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead according to Scripture, and because he did... Sorrow is transformed into joy and um, despair into hope, uh, grief into laughter. Even though we can't prove it, can't explain it, can't by our own strength or will or intellect even believe it, we look for the resurrection of the dead, the life of the world to come, heaven July 4th, 1976 was a bicentennial year. For me, it will always be remembered as my year of internship. Got there in the middle of June. My supervisor, being brilliant, uh, went on vacation for five weeks and left me in charge. 
had a funeral in the second week of Ricky Blankenberg's aunt. Uh, Ricky's a second grader. And we were at uh, fireworks and with a bunch of families all sitting on our blankets. And little Ricky came up to me in the seriousness of a seven-year-old and said, Pastor Wilson, it was the first time anybody ever called me that. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Pastor Wilson, what exactly is heaven? Um, Theologically dismantled by a seven-year-old. And I'm sure I squirmed. I don't remember a thing about what I said. Um, But 40 years later, um, maybe a little closer to heaven than than I wish, Um, I'm ready to talk about heaven, and I think we need to do a little bit more of it. Based on last week's experience alone, I can tell that it matters, matters in our lives. First, and I don't usually preach sermons that are one, two, three, four, but I'm going there today, so so bear with me. First, according to the seventh chapter of Revelation, heaven is going to be a lot more inclusive than most, especially religious people, think. John writes, we just heard it, that he saw a great multitude which no man or woman could count. That's a big number. I just want to make sure we're clear. And it was a multitude from every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. When people ask me, where did Lord of Life Church get its first value, unconditional regard for all people? I say pretty flippantly, it came straight from heaven. It's a vision of heaven. Here's a little riddle for you to start working on. Is heaven going to be the place where God surrounds you with people who agree with you? Or is, um, is God going to bring you to a place where you finally understand that what you think isn't all that important? White Christians who have spent generations running from black sisters and brothers in Christ are going to find out that they're bunking together in heaven. Liberals and conservatives, whether they like it or not, are going to be sitting at the same table. There aren't going to be in-laws who are upset that you joined the other church. No one's going to care whether you were splashed or sprinkled or dunked. There's going to be all kinds of people, a multitude too big to count. Secondly, there won't be any hunger and there won't be any thirst. That is to say that there won't be in heaven the haves and the have-nots. That's what hungering and thirsting is actually about. People hunger and thirst not because there isn't enough food on this globe, not because there isn't clean water, but because they don't have money to buy it, and they don't have access to it. In heaven, according to John's vision now, all the food, all the clean water is going to get dispersed to everyone, And there won't be any hunger, and there won't be any thirst. And you won't need food stamps, and you won't need affordable care acts, and you won't need social security, because everybody will be sharing with everyone. Which is another riddle. When you get to heaven, is God just going to make a lot more stuff? Or is he going to create clean hearts within us that are content and want to share with others? Which, by the way, is what we're actually doing when we pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right now. Third, um, in charge of heaven uh, will be the shepherd, the good shepherd, 
same shepherd of the 23rd Psalm, and that shepherd will be sitting on the throne of God. That's part of John's vision for me that is most comforting, and I have tried to get a little better grip on why that's so comforting to me, and I think it might be because it's one of the first scripture things I was ever taught and ever learned, the 23rd Psalm. But listen, listen to how John says this. The lamb is at the center of the throne, will be their shepherd, and he'll guide them to springs of living water. My cup runneth over. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow. Right now, we lead ourselves. Um, At least if we're honest, that's part of why we have confession and absolution at every worship. We lead ourselves. We have a good shepherd, and we know the shepherd's voice, and the shepherd knows us. But God has given us the freedom to do whatever it is that we want to do. And frankly, that is what we usually do. We just do what we want to do. And then and then our pattern is to blame God or blame somebody else when, when it doesn't work out. That, by the way, is one of the things I'm so excited about our church council right now, the wisdom of our church council, as we go into this three-month visioning thing. Because you all know that there was an easier way to do this. We, we could have just got a survey monkey, could have sent it out to everybody, could have all come back. We could have had like a little vote, and we could have just voted on what we want to do. It took about a week. But the wisdom is saying, why don't we listen for a shepherd Why don't we listen for God? Why don't we listen to how God is speaking to all the sheep? Um, In heaven, the second reading says, the good shepherd will be on a throne, presumably doing what shepherds do, and that is shepherd, shepherd the sheep. And therefore, since the good shepherd will be shepherding the sheep, there, there won't be anything to cry about and whine about and argue about because the good shepherd will be running it. It's happened at all three services. I'm just going to own it right now for you. I was worried about doing one, two, three sermons because it sounds like a lecture. But I just said, there'll never be anything to cry about or worry about or whine about ever in heaven. And we all just went, "Uh uh-huh, take notes. (laughs) I think the appropriate response is, come Lord Jesus, or be it now, or amen, or or something. Uh, Fourth, John John jumps into this big question that I've thought about for a long time. What exactly am I going to do in heaven? Because there was a period where I I just wasn't that excited to go to heaven, and and I could figure out why. And no no offense to any of our musicians um, whatsoever, but if if all we're going to do in heaven is like play the harp and wear white robes, I'm not that excited about going. That's not it for me. But thank God, uh, John gives us a different picture of what's actually going to happen in heaven. John depicts the heavenly host, which is everyone, all of us, doing exactly two things. First, he says, we'll be falling down on our knees. And I think there's a way to think of that as spiritual yoga in some kind of way. Um, falling down on our knees and thanking and praising God. It doesn't have to be with music. But second, very interesting words when you think God has everything God needs. Secondly, we will be serving God. Serving God, day and night in the temple. That is to say, I think that in a very real way, when you get to heaven, you're going to be doing exactly what it is that you should be doing now, which would be thanking and praising God and serving with all of your heart and all of your mind, all your body, all your strength. Uh, I know it mentions a white robe, but I wouldn't get your heart set on a white robe because they don't stay white very long when you're actually serving. We're all going to be servants in heaven, and that's going to be really cool, really fun, really joyful. Let me just unpack that a little bit with some testimony about Lord of Life Church today. Um, The outpouring of generosity in this congregation in the last month um, has been 
off the chart, off the chart. In addition to meeting the operating budget, which is never a small thing, in addition to that, a thousand buddy bags were filled. So 250 kids every weekend are taking food home to eat. Um, last weekend, 24 boxes for military and college students were filled to the brim. They literally stuffed the things down in there to get everything in them. Delicious and healthy meals were served at First English Lutheran Church and then served again at Faith on Eighth. And I know it sounds like a small thing. It's like, can you bring some cookies to the church? But 151 dozen cookies. Chris Buss took right now this weekend to the Kairos ministry, and she's sharing them with women to take back to share in their cell box. There's been some amazing sacrificial serving by a whole lot of people. And so if you want to get like a picture of what heaven will look like, I, I would advise you to find some of those people who made those things happen and ask them how it worked, how it felt. And I'll tell you some things. Was it hard? Yep. Was it work? Yep, absolutely. Were you happy and joyful? Oh, yes, yes. So, and I think this is what Ricky Blankenberg really wanted to know from me, because every three weeks or so I went to his aunt's house and realized he's not going to be going there again. Where is heaven exactly, Pastor? Frankly, um, we get way too hung up on that, it, as if it actually matters. It's, it's wherever God is. Uh, three Sundays from now, we're going to confuse the whole world with something called Ascension Sunday. Uh, it's always on a Thursday, actually, but we're celebrating on Sunday. It's exactly a historical event. Fifty days after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus, risen from the dead, led the disciples out from Jerusalem And he ascended out of their sight and into heaven. It's a day when when um, when he's lifted from their sight. Now, I'm kind of glad it was a seven-year-old asking me that instead of maybe like a junior high student who knows something already about space exploration and galaxies and gravitational pull and black holes. Up, down, Pastor, exactly where are we going? Which it may not be the most helpful descriptor, up or down. Elsewhere in Scripture, Isaiah actually says that it'll be a new heaven and a new earth. This heaven, this earth, made new. The simplest answer to where is heaven is, we don't know. It's wherever the throne of God is, and the shepherd is sitting on that throne. So heaven is where uh, all kinds of people will gather around the gracious throne of God. Every one of them will be free from hunger and thirst. The good shepherd will be on the throne. We're going to spend all of our time praising and serving. And it's wherever God is. Wherever God is is heaven. According to Scripture now, according to the revelation of John, that's heaven. And there's one other question that unfortunately... um, the church in the last 200 years has conditioned us to ask as if it were ever in doubt. How do I get to heaven? Who's going to get to heaven? How you answer that according to you doesn't change a thing about what God is doing in heaven. It does matter to you 
not in heaven, but right here, right now, as you live your lives. How you answer that, according to you, is the difference in your life between having hope and falling apart. There's a difference between joy and sorrow. It's a difference between courage and cowering. It's a difference between living with confidence and then, or, or living in fear about what's going to happen. So I want to be really clear about this part today. We don't profess our faith in order to go to heaven. We, we don't believe in order to get to heaven. We don't work our way into heaven. We don't earn our way into heaven. We don't believe our way into heaven. We believe that a good and gracious God created everything in the world, seen and unseen. And we believe that that good and gracious God became incarnate, became human, and then was crucified by some not so good and gracious people and died and was buried. And we believe that on the third day, he literally rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. And we believe that the one who did that, Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who leads us to green pastures and besides still waters, that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the father. And wherever God is, that's where heaven is. So that's where Jesus is. And that's heaven. And we believe that that good shepherd will come again in glory and will gather all the sheep into the flock in heaven and will decide that question. We'll judge the living and the dead. We believe, and let's make, take it apart now, that the person who, when he was dying on the cross, prayed, Father, forgive all of them. That's the one who decides who's in heaven. How do you get to heaven? It's nothing you do. It's nothing you don't do. It's nothing you believe. It's nothing you don't believe. It's something that Jesus does. God does. Jesus, the risen Christ, risen from the dead, seated at the throne, is going to come and take us to heaven. We call that the gospel. We call that the good news. Jesus conquered death, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and we believe that because he did that, we will too. Amen.